Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by not only the voice of boxing for the past 25 years, but now widely recognized as the voice of UFC and MMA, the great Teddy Atlas. Keep Teddy, how you doing? In. Keep digging into those uh, <laughs> MMA guys that they, they're going to say, how well, we need a We need a soundboard. We need a sound effect board right now where I can hit beep, 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 beep for a zinger to the hardcore MMA fans that have a problem with anyone else trying to talk about the sport they've been very gracious those fans have been gracious most of them there's a couple lunatics out there that don't think that we should be discussing but i digress we've got the vote of approval from the great matt sarah and uh, ray longo so that's all that matters is the people that are big in the sport they like us and we love them and we love all the ufc fans obviously but we've got a lot to discuss today but before we get into the UFC, there was some pretty good boxing action this weekend. Jaime Munguia gets the win over always game Gabe Rosado. How'd you like that action? Yeah, before I start with that, I got to congratulate our producer. You're not the only guy who knows how to win marathons, okay? All right? So that's <laughs> the, it was Rob Moore, our producer, who's uh, with us with this show, obviously, behind the scenes, doing a lot of work. He's there right now. He just won the Malibu half marathon the other day, Sunday, actually. And uh, congratulations to him. You guys you guys own that that thing. I mean, if I understand correctly, you <laughs> Between- won... <laughs> <laughs> you won like three times. Yeah, between the two of us, we've won three of the last four there. And the guy who won the one that I didn't win and that Rob didn't win was uh, an Eritrean Olympic runner who ran in the Olympics in the uh, 5K. Was a legitimate like <laughs> African superstar runner, and, and, and he you beat me beat by him? a minute one year. But uh, nope, uh, <laughs> I couldn't get him. Uh, no, but listen, the congratulations to both years as always but uh you guys you know we've had the beach boys but you guys are the marathon boys um you know you're, <laughs> <laughs> really you guys we got it remember when we got him at the boxing hall of fame too rob got the 5k and i won the 10k yeah that's right that was no that that's you guys are in shape you know all kidding aside when you talk about that let it greens and using them you know what it's real it's real over here you guys are using it when you guys are winning marathons <laughs> left and right. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have more people using athletic greens and more people I think listening to the podcast, not just for the boxing part of it, but to see how they could become a better runner. Um so congratulations yeah. to Rob. Congratulations to Rob. He won that. He won. He's the new king of Malibu right down the street from his house. He took out the uh, whole field. So awesome job by Rob. I think he ran 112 and change, which was like 532 per mile, which was a two minute PR for him on the half marathon course. So super proud of him. He's uh, he's he's awesome. And uh, he's the best best producer in the business, to say the least. But let's get back into the box in action, Teddy. What'd you think of Jaime Mangia's win over Gabe Rosado? There's a lot to it, you know. Like, it's not simple just to talk about the fight. Um, I will though, but yep. uh, because this is just another example of it was on the zone. But and, and De La Hoya, I think, has Mangia, right? He's the promoter for Mangia. That's right. And you know, it, it's it's back to the same old stuff that. Some people understand, some people, I guess, they don't understand, but that 
these promoters, these there's about four power brokers out there that control boxing for the most part. And they they just worry about their little piece of property they own. So it's kinda of like they, they own their own little, little preserves, uh preservations, you know, like uh where they have their fighters and they only fight who's on the preservation or who they allow on because everything is gated, you know? And so, yeah, you got him, you got him fighting Rosado, who's an old war horse. And I give all the credit in the world to Rosado, war horse, great heart. Tremendous, 13 losses, but just, you know, great. We don't complain about it in the UFC when there's 13 losses because by then they've learned how to fight. They've been forged in the fire. Uh, they can stand up to top guys. And same thing here, you know, in this case, in boxing. Uh, this this kid's been through the fire, and he's, you know, he's he's a piece of steel. Uh, but he's a guy who shop one. He's a guy that, you know, takes a lot of punches. And when you think about a world champion and you're thinking about title defenses, you know, sometimes you're thinking about, I'm not saying a more lively opponent because obviously he, he gave a hell of an effort, but it was an effort that was a great one-sided fight. See, the truth gets told here. I'm sorry. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. what are you going to do? It was, it was a great one-sided fight, you know. That's a perfect description, actually. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, and, and, and on the verge of being a dominant fight uh, for McGee. And... But McGee showed his weak spots. You know, they getting hit with some shots, but he's a young kid. It was a 10-year difference, 25, Rosado's 35. And But getting back to the backdrop of coloring the picture for the people, you know, on this preserve here, same preserve that Canelo's on, except he's, you know, he's, he's over in another area um, where they have their own preserve and, and preservation. And... On this preservation, in this gated area that these fighters for their promoters fight, there's, there's only certain prey to go up against. You know, people think, oh, well, if it's on a preserve, uh, then there must be lions and tigers. No, they're not in there. No, they keep them out. There's wildebeest and there's water buffalo. You know, and they give you a hell of a tussle. They got horns. They give you a hell of a tussle, um, Ken. They do. But but there's people say, oh, we're on the preserve. They're going to let them loose. They're going to they're gonna fight the others on the preserve, uh, on the, on the, you know, reservation here. Uh, they're going to let the lion fight the polar yeah, bear. the lion's going to be out. The tiger's <laughs> going to be out. There's going to be a few leopards, a few jaguar, you know. But no, there's not. <laughs> no, there's not. There's not because it's not allowed because they don't give a damn about the fans seeing them fight the lions or the tigers. They don't give a damn about the sport growing uh, because you're going to be able to talk about those kind of battles. They don't give a damn. They give a damn about just protecting their guy and building up their guy's record until they can get to a place where it makes financial sense to really either roll the dice or just, you know, go in there and cash to another level. That, that's what it's about. And that's the difference with UFC. That's the difference. See, in the UFC, yeah, it's one guy that owns it. One guy. And he has a preserve. He has a, you know, a, a, a place that does allow tigers and lions to run in there too with the wildebeest and the buffalo. He allows all of them in there. 
all of them in there. Why? Well, he owns the whole thing, and it makes sense for the brand. It makes sense for the sport. It makes sense for the fans. That's, that's why it keeps growing. That's why it keeps growing and growing. And people, sometimes the fans get a little angry at me, but it's the truth. And so, yeah, and then the fans out there, you know, talking about using these analogies, right, Ken, I'm right. Well, some of these fans, there's gremlins out there. Yeah, they're gremlins. They are. They are. <laughs> I, I listen, gremlins are cute. Don't feed them after midnight. Don't. Don't feed them after midnight. Then they get nasty. They get a little nasty, a little bit. And don't get them wet. They get wet, they get a little crazy. So what happens is, you know, the gremlins take little shots at me. And uh, it's okay. You know, they say, oh, oh, Teddy, you know, you're, you're not, can you betray your, your sport? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. How can I betray a sport that I love that's given me so much? And I've given the sport a lot too, quite frankly. But how, how can I betray a sport that I've been in almost 50 years? Why? Because I'm pointing things out to try to make it healthier to try to make it better. To, uh, that's betraying this one? No, it's not. Maybe, maybe in the gremlin dictionary, the gremlin uh, definition of things, maybe it gets twisted a little bit, and maybe that's how you look at it. But in the real world, no. I'm trying to do what I did on ESPN for 25 years. I'm trying to point out the deficiencies and make it better for everybody. But at the end of the day, they'll say, oh, you, you talk about the great undercards, you know. Uh, and you, Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Consistently, they have great undercards, great action. <clears throat> oh, you didn't talk about the ones in McGee fight. There was a great undercard. There was this, there was that. What, you didn't talk. Okay, I didn't talk about the solar eclipse either. Because <laughs> it don't come around that often. <laughs> Ken. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it didn't come to my mind. To, yeah, I'll talk about it. Okay, great undercard, maybe. I didn't even see it. Great undercard. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I trust you guys. I trust you. Okay. But how often? Haley's comments coming too. I ain't going to be talking about that either. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's another 10 years. Because there's so few and in between. And even when you have a good one in boxing, let me differentiate for you guys out there, you little gremlins, you cutie little things, you, you know, oh, you bite. Oh, no, don't bite me. Um, let me just differentiate, like, differentiate a little bit. When you have a great undercard in boxing, a lot of times they're in inconsequential fights. They're fights, middle of the road guys that you never heard of. You're never going to hear about them again. And they got thrown in there. And it was a great, it was a great little battle. It was a PS6 brawl. Beautiful. beautiful. And you know, you know what the theme was though, Teddy? Some matchmaker somewhere as the fight got more exciting and interesting, they're looking at the matchmaker going, what are you doing, dude? You were supposed to give us a fight we could win. <laughs> yes yeah, or no? It happens by accident. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful point, <laughs> beautiful point partner. It happens by accident. And what I'm saying I'm saying the truth here. I'm just breaking it down. Listen, that, yeah, there's some good undercard fight, but there's not many. There's more in the UFC consistently. That's all I'm saying. And, again, when the UFC <laughs> puts on a good undercard, they're consequential fights. It's number one, number two, number three against number five, number six, number seven, for a world title shot. That the winner gets a world title shot or moves up to number one. They're consequential fights. They're not... They're not just, you know, fights you forget about. You never hear about again. You never, you never see those guys again. You know, they're not those. They're not throwaways. That's, 
that's a part of it, you guys. You guys that took your little shots at me, okay? It's okay. Listen, I didn't see it, but I hear things. Remember that movie? I'm hearing things. Remember that movie? That I forget what it was. Goodfellas or something? Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, was it uh, Raging Bull? Was it, uh, no, it's the Raging Bull, Jake Lombardi, the maniac. Great fighter. <laughs> Underrated middleweight. Great fighter. But he was a maniac. He was going, I'm hearing things. I'm <laughs> hearing things. Well, you know, Robbie, get that up if you can. I was going to say, if some that, people had seen you that, in, tra- in a training camp, they might have said, like, Teddy has the same kind of intuition as Jake LaMotta. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was yeah. that? What was that? <laughs> I think your eye went sideways there. What did that mean? <laughs> I, 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 I'm hearing things. I'm, but he said things. I, I do, too. You know, New York accent, Staten Island accent. <laughs> you I'm don't have an accent. Things. No, no, I don't. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> Love you. And you don't have a Boston accent either. You don't. But, you know, and get the car. What? Get the car. Somebody get the car. It's oh, where there. did you park your car at the Patriots game this week? Hopefully close to the exit <laughs> uh, so you could get out you when it Patriots, was blowout. <laughs> I told you the Patriots might, uh, might surprise your Buffaloes there in front. But Patriots, Patriots winning the Super Bowl. Strong. Coming strong, coming strong with that quarterback. Uh, the the next Tom Brady. Oh, he <laughs> looks good. Oh, he looks I, my good. son. He was my son's favorite guy coming yeah. out of the draft. My son, you know, was a of uh, director of scouting with the Raiders. But anyway, the bottom line is that you know the UFC. I'm not betraying boxing. I love boxing. You know um, what I'm saying is that. The UFC, you can't argue it. They put a more consistent product up now, and that's why they passed boxing in the ratings. I'm not talking about when there's a Fury, Joshua fight, or Fury, you know, the universe is bigger, and they're going to do those special numbers, or if there's a Mayweather, McGregor craziness going on, or Mayweather Pacquiao, you know, once in a, a lifetime sort of set up uh, the, the way it was. The universe is so large, it's, it's going to outdo the UFC universe. But on a consistent basis, UFCs, they're killing it. You know, like the kids say, like the kids say, and and there's a reason. It's not a complicated formula. They're doing what they're doing, and they're doing what happened in the '80s in boxing. The best fighters are fighting each other. Everyone's fighting. The best fighters are fighting, and that's why the '80s in boxing was such a such a great time and so popular that. People made a documentary out of it, yep. you know, the Four Kings, because because you had great fighters fighting each other on a regular basis. So anyway, getting back to the fight, I had to clear that up. I had that was part of the backdrop, you know. The you had to paint that picture. Uh, yeah, McGee turned out to be a you know a good one sided fight, um, you know, where it was kind of like a movie where the when the movie started losing your attention, all of a sudden somebody popped out of a closet. <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody popped around the corner and scared the crap out of you. You know, it's got your attention back. It was probably a, a, a positive experience for Mungia in that he was tested just enough that he could look good, but he wasn't just destroying him all night long. So it probably I tested agree. him a little. So I think in this case, the matchmaker, 
Munguia's guy, did exactly what he was supposed to do, a step-up fight with a gatekeeper. He looked good at times, but had some things to work on. So And working with the guys in, in, living on a, on a preservation. Yeah, exactly. Working with those guys. You're not allowed to work with tigers and lions. Let's yeah. get that clear. But they So they work with that. And the fans are like, the poor fans, I feel sorry for them sometimes because they're, they're so hungry. They're, they're so hungry. They, you know, you give them a hamburger, they think you gave them a steak. <laughs> yeah, Especially if you, haven't, if you haven't eaten in a month. <laughs> this steak is good. Um, it's it's, it's, it's um, hamburger. It's hamburger. Um, <laughs> hey, it tastes like steak. Yeah, because you haven't eaten anything for like uh, seven months. But <laughs> so, look, at the end of the day, uh, they they got a they got a decent enough fight. Uh, here's the breakdown of the fight, the specifics of the fight. McGee, when he first he's improved a little bit since he turned pro, uh, not turned pro since he got on the scene. When he got on the scene, he he knocked out Saddam Ali, who was much too small. Saddam yeah. was a welterweight. He he moved up and took the junior middleweight title from an old used up Kodo and he won the title to his credit and then uh, and then his first offense his father was involved a little bit they made a mistake a big mistake they fight this big guy Magia they don't know enough about him and Magia knocks knocks out the small alley and it was at 154 pounds and Magia being young was going to keep growing because he's so big now he now he's got the 160 pound title so McGee, when I first saw him, he looked like a 154-pound George Foreman. You know? yeah. So big. Bigger than everyone, you know? And yeah. He had that uppercut and, you know, and, and just strong and big. And he's getting better. He's getting a little better. A lot of people say, Teddy, he, got, he, he still gets hit too clean, way too clean, <laughs> and he gets hit too much. But he's moving his head a little more. He's trying to be better. He's putting punches together more. Um both these guys showed gratitude. McGee showed a gratitude. Um, I don't care if Rosado's not, you know, I don't care if he's not Tommy Ernst. Uh, he, he punches good enough with those clean shots, caught him coming in, timed him sometimes, and, and McGee didn't, you know, he didn't even blink. Um, so, uh, same, well, for the most part, he got his attention a little bit, I guess, a couple times. But, I mean, he, he, the way he handled those punches, and the same thing for Rosado, some of the shots that he took, uh, great chins. Uh, maybe sometimes McGee, and again, I always try to break it all down. Uh, sometimes he was concentrating more on speed than power. He wasn't really sitting on some of those punches. He was looking at just maybe with his new trainer, Morales, the former world champion from Mexico, um, Eric Morales. Maybe he's trying to put punches together more, uh, working on speed more. You know, I think Morales been with him, I don't know, one or two fights. And it looked that way. It looked like he was trying to put punches together more, use more speed. Uh, McGee's best, the best stuff in his arsenal is his uppercut. The only problem with that, they better tighten it up. He he sometimes loads up and he exposes himself where you can time him. You can time him and beat him to it or, or counterpunch him. Um, but he likes that uppercut. His jab is pretty good. It's long, it's straight. You know, it's, it's pretty stiff and heavy. Um, and his left hook to the body is pretty good. Uh, but, you know, he's still a work in progress. He's still got his raw, raw spots to him. But uh, they're talking, you know, obviously, see, that's to the point where I was talking about before. You know, the promoter controls your little property, you know. And um, 
you and then you you know you you fight the world of beast and you know the water buffalo and you know stuff and then all of a sudden one day maybe you bring a lion in an old lion with some teeth missing you know but you bring <laughs> maybe you bring a lion in, and they're talking about that lion being triple g uh, you know, after the fight, McGee, right? Yeah. Bringing Triple G, who's been inactive, who's 39 years old, going on 40 pretty soon. Uh, you know, who knows, by the time he gets in the ring, he's, he's a little used up. He's, you know, you don't know by that point. You know, again, the promoter, they're, they're smart. They they on those guys, right? They they eat, you know, on those guys. and and then And then they get to a point where, like I just said, you bring, okay, we're going to let a lion in. You get the people excited. Oh, they let a lion in. <laughs> and, and then you, you know, then you got a sharp little kid sitting behind you on that picture. That's a beautiful picture. Beautiful yep. picture with Holloway yep. talking about gladiators. I yep. mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's yep. it really is. And you got a kid like that. Maybe he's there and he says, but daddy, the lion's got no claws. Son, son, it's still a lion. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm just saying. Yeah. And so that's the plan. And look, it's, it works. It works because they make more money. You know, they make more money and, and they might win that one. Uh, you never know at that point with a few claws missing. But that that's the plan. Looks like uh, it looks like that's what they're looking to do. At the end of the day, you know, it, it's a it's a smart move. It's a smart plan. Uh, McGee, I don't know what, if that fight did happen, I don't know what Triple G, as I just said, has left. If he's got enough left, Triple G is going to win the fight. He's going to exploit some of those spots that we talked about with McGee, where he gets hit too much and where he leaves himself a little bit available and he's still a little green behind the ears. You know, Triple G would take advantage of that. But again, you got a strong, young, confident McGee, you know, who's, you know, he's going to wind up being almost 15 years younger than Triple G. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, then, of course, some fans will say, well, Teddy, you didn't talk about the Benavides fight. I was I just going to tell Benavides. you that. Yeah. I didn't see the Benavides fight. I couldn't watch both anyway. They were on Disney Network. But I watched that one. It's one-sided, he, though. I know it's I a mean, one-sided fight. That's what that we're talking be, about. That would be the understatement of the year. I will say for the kid, Kyron Davis, he showed a ton of heart. He took a beating. And his trainer eventually, Stephen Breadman Edwards, who we had on the show once with his fighter, J-Rock Williams, eventually threw in the towel. But he warned him for probably the three rounds before that, like, hey, you got to show me something. You, I, I'm going to have to stop this. And he took, I mean, credit to that kid. He has a chin of stone. He took so many shots from Benavidez. Benavidez was just unloading on him. And they, But like I said, Davis was game. But Benavidez, at the end of the day, he called out Canelo. And he called out the Charlos. Um, Which he's supposed to do. Exactly. He's supposed to do that. There's and no one will. left for him there. Benavidez, who, there's no challenge for him. And like outside I of said Canelo. on the last podcast, yep. I don't want to, I'm not knocking um uh, obviously, Canelo is terrific, but he's not the greatest Mexican of all time. But if he keeps fighting these guys, uh, you'll be able to keep saying that. I don't want to see him 
you know, with these mirages. And they are yeah. mirages. They yeah. are. If we're going to talk the truth here. I don't want to see them with these freaking mirages anymore with with Saunders and with Plant, uh, that uh, the people make them better than they are. Uh, no. Uh, listen, they got belts. I told you, you were in New York last week. We could have went to Canal, Canal Street and got you a belt. <laughs> I mean, it's, really, it's easy. Anytime you yeah. want one, let me know. Yeah. And, and and as far as 20 and 0, 24 and 0, uh, listen, you're in good shape. I'll take you out west. I'll take you down <laughs> south. I'll I'll get you to 15 and 0 before next year, yeah. uh, before next year's over. I only got a couple months left here. but um, That's the crazy yeah. thing that I think the, the average fan doesn't recognize is some of these records are so fabricated that, you know, there's crazy stories going back of like the, the manager getting in and fighting the, 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 the prospect when there wasn't an opponent to fight just to get him well, another win. And it's, in some states <laughs> exactly. in particular are famous for it. So I don't want to see him fighting those guys, those Murat. I'd rather see I'm not saying Benavidez is going to beat him. Benavidez is still a little, you know, a little raw in certain areas. But he's he's got the physicality just for me as, uh, in boxing to say, okay, at least he can match him with something. He can match him with physical strength, with physicality. The other guys couldn't. Yeah. The other guys couldn't and wouldn't and never will. So at least he's got something. Uh, you know, I'd rather see him move up if you want to call him great. Let him... You know, let him move up to light heavyweight. He did it already once, but he picked his spot, which, you know, he did very smart. Hey, I'm not knocking him for that. Mayweather picked his spot smart too, but he fought the best guys when he was younger that were available. And look, if Canelo, if Canelo stepped up to 175, you know, and, and fought Bevo and fought uh, uh, Better BF, and, and beat them. I, I mean, forget about it. I come on this podcast the next day, you know, and I'd be wearing a Canelo shirt, you know, uh, and and say, hey, give them all, all the credit. And I would give them all the credit. Uh, that's what I do. But I do the other side too, and I point out you know, the other things that need to be pointed out. So uh, at the end of the day, that was a one side again. You know, showtime, boy, oh boy. <laughs> they, they, uh, I mean, I don't know. Somebody wasted their Saturday night and watched that, but I could have told him who was going to win. <laughs> yeah, really. And that doesn't make me the amazing Kreskin. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I think the guy took the Kreskin. fight, though, on like two weeks' notice, too. Yeah, well, that's part of it, too. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, I mean, that was, was what are you going to say? It was a one sided fight. But uh, having. Just to finish up on the McGee situation, um, you know, Rosado, I give him all the credit in the world. Game, 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 game effort. But he gets hit so much. He's a kid that really, you got to be careful with a kid like that. You got to either retire him, and, I, and I'm never looking to stop anyone from making a living. But either retire him or give him a year off after that kind of beat. Give him a year off. I know people say, Teddy, a year. Uh, yeah, give him a year off. Give him nine months off, whatever. But give him a long rest and put him through all the tests, uh, the MRIs and stuff. Because at the end of the day, we can't forget these are not machines. They are human beings getting hit, you know. And uh, we got to remember that. We got to look out for the person before we we think about them, anything else. Uh, so, uh, he's a kid that he's one of the kids that I scream and I screamed and I used my platform and ESPN all those years to get a national commission to get a pension. 
because if anyone deserves a pension, there's a kid that deserves a pension. And if there was a pension in boxing, maybe he doesn't fight anymore. He's He's been a great gladiator, a great warrior. Maybe he goes off, you know, to his family, to the sunset, and he collects a pension. He doesn't have to fight no more. Uh, and and that, would, that, that, that would be fair. Uh, that would be appropriate. But he's a kid that he's going to hit way too much. I know McGee got hit some clean shots, but not nearly the volume that that he got hit. And, of course, McGee is only 25 years old, and he's still got time to be improved and to be taught. Um, but that's – anyway, that's the – that's what I saw with that fight. And um, I think I covered it all. I think yeah. we covered it all. Yep. So before we put a bow on the boxing uh, coverage for this week, I just want to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, um, Fight Camp. And Fight Camp, for those who don't know, is an at-home training system. It's basically a uh, a stationary heavy bag that comes with streaming video workouts. And they range in in duration from 20 to 90 minutes. So whether you're looking to squeeze in a workout or really get in the gym and punish yourself with a boxing workout, you got to check out fight camp um teddy they've got thousands of classes that range from strength to endurance it will teach you all the basics i think that one of the most intimidating things for people who want to try to get into boxing for the first time and i tell people this all the time at some point your favorite fighter mike tyson and pick one they walked into a boxing gym for the first time and were probably just as intimidated as you're feeling with with fight camp though Maybe you can t- get a, get the fight camp, take some of these um, basic uh, instructional classes and learn a few basic punches, gain some confidence if that's the route you want to go. But if you're just looking for a home workout, fight camp has got you covered. And I know, Teddy, they're dropping one off at your house this week. I've used one a few times at, uh, when I was traveling and I'm waiting to get one for myself. For my uh, wife and kids are dying to get on this thing. But I know you have some thoughts on this, Teddy. And like I said, it'll be there when you get home from Vegas. Um, what are you looking forward to? Looking forward to punching something when I get home. Um, <laughs> that, that I'm allowed to punch uh, without being sued or anything. <laughs> you know, there's some of these gremlins out there. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. I love you little gremlins. Um, but, you know, we all like to get certain things out. No. I see. I don't know if Rob can put a picture of it up right now, the one that they sent me, the, 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 just to show how it looks. But when I was looking at the picture of it, um, the promotional picture of it, I right away said, this thing's going to work. It's a good product. First of all, one of the things that's very important in training a fighter that I use, once you, you got to teach them the right technique. You got to spend a lot of time doing that. And then you want it to become a habit. And you want to you want to go through the motions of it so you can see it, break it down, watch the fighter do it, and then make the corrections. And there, there's the, the demo. It's a beautiful demo of it. And see right here, I'll give you an example. Uh, you got this young lady. She's a southpaw, obviously. And she's a little wide with a hook. So the, she's, she's leading with the right hook. Now, being a little wide with that, you can, of course, get caught with a counter. So <laughs> once she sees that now, she can say, okay, yeah, I see it. All right, now I can tighten it up. Mm. 
Now the next time I control that hook, I control it with you know a little little tighter, you know a little shorter, without the little bit of a gap that could allow something to get in from obviously from your opponent. So right there, it's worth it. Right there, just just that in a practical way, in a real way. You download the app and then you stream the videos to your TV or any kind of video monitor that you have. It comes with everything. It's got the gloves, the heavy bag, all the equipment that you're going to need to get started. And uh, now's the best time to get the fight camp because you can take advantage of of the holiday deal that they have going on. If you purchase this thing in November, you'll get an additional pair of boxing gloves for free. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash atlas. Again, joinfightcamp.com slash atlas and get an additional pair of boxing gloves for free for the month of November. Guys, check this thing out. Seriously, it's a good product. And and a great listen. The timing is perfect uh, getting it in November because then you can go and burn off all that turkey and stuffing (laughs) and yams and cranberry sauce and uh, pumpkin pie and apple pie and vanilla ice cream. You can burn <laughs> that all off. You know what I mean? So yep. it's the perfect time to do it. And again, I'll finish by saying, for me, it's a, it's innovative because they took shadow boxing to another level where you could actually punch the shadow in the mouth. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's good. I mean, you, you know, you can hit the shadow. So, um, I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to uh, using it and uh, getting rid of some of these uh, gremlins out of my system. So let's go. <laughs> let's go, baby. I see him behind you, the great Max Holloway, um, uh, your great son, who's just as great. Uh, who Who is that next to? That's, uh, uh, that's Max Holloway and his son, and that's Yaya Rodriguez, who just went five tough rounds. Oh, that's with, Max and his son. He, yeah. I swear, I thought it was your son. I'm sorry, because it looks oh, like look, your son. He does. He does. Yeah, no, oh that's, my God. <laughs> uh, I thought it was your son. Okay. Well, it's Max's uh, beautiful son. I wish son. I had a picture like that with my son with Max no, Holloway. I I couldn't no, have you a- becoming, Listen, I really, I, from my heart, I really thought that was your son because you're becoming so big, you know, out there that, that you know, I figured that definitely he would, in a second, and he would actually, in all seriousness, if he ran into your son, he would take a picture with him. So I, I actually thought that was, that was your son because – uh, you know, you're you're the man, and <laughs> and you're getting bigger and bigger by the moment. And let's see, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Rodriguez. And, and next to him is Rodriguez. What a game guy that is. Um, take me into it, Ken, because yep. l- l- I I gotta say one thing, and then just you take me into it. But a, a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, um, I thought the thriller in Manila moved to the thriller in MSG. Yeah. I mean, that's how incredible that night was. I mean, really, it's sick. I mean, like the kids say, sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you had Covington, Gagey, you had Chandler. Uh, I mean, you had Gagey and Chandler. They had Usman and Covington. You had, um, as, the, as the opening bout was, <laughs> of course, Gagey and Chandler, which was just out of control. And, and then one after another, one after another. And people wonder why I say they put on more better exciting on the constant box. Please stop. Stop it, guys. Stop it. Go back to drinking that moonshine down in the basement. <laughs> I really. I, I, really, I don't begrudge you living your life the way you want, but stop. All right? Leave me alone. 
All right. I mean, a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Um, really go, go, go buy one of those bags. that we just showed that's our new sponsor. Uh, <laughs> really, fight and, camp. And get it. Yeah. Fight camp. Go get a fight camp and get it out. Get it out, baby. Um, before the only thing, thing that changes, Ken, week to week, just about <laughs> with box, with UFC is they switch the names. That's what it's I was just going to say. Thing. Only the they faces change. The <laughs> Only the names change. It's the same action. It's yep. the same wars. Gargantua wars. Gargantua wars. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's insane. It, it really, really is. is. It's and how about and this listen, today? I'm the best part? Another little thing the that be- I know is out there. And I'm not afraid to touch on it because, again, we, we, we can – I really pride us as never being on anyone's side except the right side, the truthful side. And listen, for you guys out there want to say, and I always pointed out that you, you know, you have one guy running everything, obviously Dana White, and that's why, you know, he can make it the way he wants to make it his way or the highway. And he can insist on great fights, unlike these power brokers in boxing that don't want great fights. They just want their guy. They want to use the the sugar daddies, which is the network, the sugar daddies are the network. Let's be honest. And so their partner, their sugar daddy, they want to use them uh, to have a farm system. Really, that's what it is to have a farm system for the most part to just, you know, build their guys up, keep them undefeated or whatever, uh, build them up. And then of course, you know, uh, that when it's time for the big one, then they can't shit out a big one every once in a while, maybe once a year, whatever, you know, they do that. Uh, but other than that, uh, they're taking advantage of the fans, you guys. They they are to a certain extent because they're not giving you a consistent best product that they could give you out there. They're not. They're not. They're, not. they're only giving you something within their, as I said before, their reservation uh, and their uh, and their preserve. Uh, whoever's in there, they 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 play the game. Let you think you're getting lions. You're not getting lions. You're not getting tigers. And then. And then when the time comes, uh, you know, if it makes sense for the little lion in, okay. Uh, but when does that time come? On the whole, week to week, you're not getting that. You're not getting that. You're getting what's good for these greedy promoters that are out there to control the industry and their own little piece of land. That's what you get. That's the truth. I'm sorry you don't like it. You're getting used a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes you get one that makes you feel damn good, and, and I'm, I'm glad. And I feel good, too. I, I'm, I'm no different. But on a whole, on a whole, you're never going to consistently get what Dana White gives you because – he wants the brand to get better. He wants the sport to get better. That's better for him. He owns it or owns part of it. So that's better for him. The other, the promoters in boxing don't care about boxing, about the fans, about the sport. They care about keeping their little, their little thing going, you know, their little thing. Um, so having said that, this is what I have to say. Yeah. Sometimes these great gladiators, uh, they don't get paid. What, you know, they don't get paid maybe the right amount of money. Yeah, I, I, people probably go, oh, Teddy just, whoa, we were waiting for him to say that. Or oh, we wondered if he would ever. Of course I'm going to say the truth. Of course I'm going to. Yeah, with the UFC, some of them don't get paid, uh, you know, what their blood that they spill uh, is worth uh, sometimes in that octagon. But, but. And this is a big, important but. They 
there are stars. There's stars to come out of it, just like in boxing. The stars that got do get paid. Oh, McGregor kind of led that, let that walk a little bit, let that um that that moment or uh, that change, if you will. Uh, McGregor let it where he's so big, he's getting huge money, and there's other stars who are getting bigger money and huge money. So so it has. It has made that transition where, yeah, and then Teddy, yeah, but it's only the stars. I got you. But the stars are getting paid now. Yeah, but Teddy, guess what? The well, stars only get paid in boxing, too. What do you think the undercard got paid well, on that, that on That's that the point I want to get to. But that was my next point. That's exactly like my next point. That was the next but. But is it that much different than boxing where you don't think there's a – so many fighters that aren't getting paid right to spill their guts. You know, what? Are, I don't know what Rosado got paid to, to, to bleed that night at 35 years of age. But I'm just saying, there's plenty of boxes. Yeah, yeah. There's the rich. There's the guys that are making the big money that are with, uh, locked into certain promoters that, that are paying them. And they're and they're making damn good money. Yeah, yeah, in boxing. But on the whole, on the whole of the sport, there are many. When you guys knock Dana White and you knock UFC, and I'm not standing up for White. He don't need me to stand up for him at all, at all. But I'm just saying, there's plenty of people in boxing ain't getting paid, and they're in wars, and they're not getting paid. But you see the ones that are, and you say, oh, boxing's paying that guys more than the UFC. You know what? They are in, in, in certain quarters, in certain areas. There, there's more of them with more promoters, uh, more stars, if you will, that, that are locked into these private deals uh, with the promoter, with the network, that they're getting paid pretty damn well. But there's thousands of them that aren't. There's thousands of them out there with their tongue like this. Hanging out <laughs> that that are taking punishment and they're not getting freaking paid. So it, it's not quite the difference that some of you fans make it when you take your shots at Dana White. I get it. I say it again. If you didn't hear me clearly, yeah, there's some UFC fighters that you know that aren't making the money. Maybe that you look at the stars, the big, big, but. They're only the biggest stars in boxing. There's more and more stars evolving or coming now out of UFC that are getting paid. There's more and more that are getting paid. And it is moving in that direction. But it's still one guy that controls it. You're right. You're right. But you're wrong in thinking that boxing is that far ahead of it that everyone is freaking becoming a zillionaire. No. You got, again, you got your... So you got the certain ones, the elite ones that are making the money. And then you got plenty of guys that are fighting on the opponent's side in boxing that are not getting paid the kind of money that they should get paid. They're not. Look at, uh, listen, I'll take it a step closer. It's out there. It's, it's public uh, domain. You can find it. Go look at the top rank, uh, what they were paying when uh, when the COVID was going on and they were fighting in the bubble. Go look at some of those. It's out there, right? Ken, you saw it. You saw the numbers. It was out there. Those cards, these guys out there fighting their hearts out, freaking getting hit with punches, going out there, risking themselves, going in the ring, coming out of the ring with less of themselves. Go look. Again, it's out there to see what they were paying them. 
You know what? After you see that, you say, hey, maybe Dana White's not a bad guy. Maybe he's not. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're, we're a little off here. We're not understanding all of it. All of it. I said my piece. I had to say it so the fans know that, that I'm, I'm on it. I'm, I'm seeing the whole thing, and I'm not taking sides. I'm trying to take the side that is the right side and point it out and explain it and cover all of it as well as I can uh, without any favoritism. The only favoritism I have is seeking out the truth that needs to be said and not having an agenda to say it. I would say there's two components there. There's the fighter pay, which you can are like you made great points and the, and they're all valid. But then there's the promotion itself and boxing. I think Dana White said at one time he said something to the effect of every big fight is promoted like a going out of business sale. They just run it. It's a one night only event. It's grab as much money right now as you can. Whereas the UFC, the fighters that are part of the promotion, they have access to the to the Performance Institute. I believe they have uh, pretty good health insurance. They have there's a lot of benefits to being part of the UFC. And again, taking the fighter pay out of the equation, the UFC promotes the fighters a lot better. There's a lot more in the background going on. There's an event every single week. If you want to stay active, there's guys there fighting five times a year. They've got they've they've they're just doing a good job and they're running it like a proper business. Whereas the UFC the boxing at times is just running like a one night only mega concert and I'm going to grab, you know, it's a, it's a grab as much cash as you can. And don't worry about the fact that you've got to put it on again in two weeks. We'll start from scratch. Nevertheless, let's get into the best part of this Holloway Yaya Rodriguez fight is that it was free. It was, well, I guess you had to have a membership to ESPN Plus for a few bucks, but it was available. It wasn't a pay-per-view. It might as well have been a pay-per-view. It was worth as much as any fight has ever been. I mean, Again, I feel like the last week when we described in the um, the Gaethje Chandler and Usman so Covington, you can switch the names in and out. I don't even know what adjectives you could use anymore. Just two guys as like tough beyond words. Like you couldn't, if you describe two people that that were tough, you couldn't use enough adjectives to describe these two guys. I mean, Yair Rodriguez's foot, look, foot like, like it got, looked like it got ran over by a tank at the end of the fight. It was mashed. He's in the ambulance. He's got cuts all over his face. And there is Max Holloway getting in the ambulance with him to take a picture. It was just incredible. Like modern day gladiators, they could easily go be transported back to Roman times. They would have had them literally fight a real lion and probably they would have won. Um, Max Holloway gets the win again. I don't see any other matchup for him other than our friend Alex Volkanovsky. By the way, both guys have been awesome guests on the show before. And before I turn it over to you, Teddy, I want to remind the fans that number one, thank you, Teddy, for doing this. Teddy's on vacation in Vegas with his uh, family. Like he said, his son is a uh, scout with the Raiders, so they're out there. Um, and so this this episode, we, we weren't just going to post our fight plan for the Crawford um, uh, Crawford and Porter fight that's coming up, but because the action was so good over the weekend, we wanted to do a quick episode, so I'm sorry. This one's going to be a little shorter, but stick with us at the end. We're going to show the... Um, we're going to air the... Um, the breakdown that we did on the Porter Crawford fight. And then on Thursday, we'll post the fight plan where Teddy and I get in the ring and Teddy demonstrates what's to look for from both fighters, uh, what they both have to do to win the fight. So don't go anywhere. When the episode ends, stick around for the preview for Porter and uh, Crawford. So with that said, Teddy, how'd you like that main event? That was tremendous. I mean, it's not 
a complicated secret formula to make these fights. Put the best in with the best. Put competitive fights on. You know, it's not it's not like you know trying to find your mother's or your grandmother's secret recipe. You know, uh, to you know to, to her sauce uh, for Sunday sauce and meatballs. You know what I mean? It, it's not that complicated. It's 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 not. It, it's the same thing as I said earlier, like the 80s when boxing was so great. Uh, put the best guys in. Freak the promoters. Freak worrying about crossing the street and who's with who and I can't go fight. Can't make, well, this be a great fight, but you can't make it. He's with the other guy. Yeah, he's with the other guy? Yeah, he's with the other guy. Really, he's with that guy. Oh, he's over there? Man, Rob, pull up that clip. I love Pull up that clip. Uh, what is it? Uh Casino where, where where Tommy's in the casino, the guy's coming in trying to shake down, trying to shake down the guy that Robert De Niro <laughs> uh, the, uh, is playing. You know the old yeah, yeah, uh, Jewish gangster, yeah. uh, Rothstein and and odds maker. You know gambler. <laughs> yeah. They come in and, and he goes, "Let me take care." And then Tommy, the real wise guy, he goes over. He goes. What are you doing? Oh, I, 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 I'm over here. You're, you're over here? Yeah, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, that was the end of and that. He, you're he, over here? Yeah, he, I'm over here. He feigned yeah, surprise. Like, oh, I had, no, I had no idea you were here. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were here. You're here? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, he, I'm, uh, he's with me. I'm over there with him. He's over here with you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And then they're bringing out the application. So we're making applications for the casino. Yeah. And, and uh, the girl brings them out as they're leaving. And he goes, no, they don't need those. <laughs> they, they, they won't be needing those, you know. So, um, Robbie, get that up if you can. I wish you could get it up with the audio, too, well, on the side. But uh, people, people like it. I like it. I like it. And um, listen, it's just a great fight. Uh, Rodriguez... Obviously, was the underdog, Holloway. Holloway's—they're both were tremendous warriors, gladiators, uh, everything you could think of to give them compliments. But Holloway is so damn. I didn't realize. I learned something, Ken. I didn't realize how versatile he was and how what a complete package. I just thought of him was almost like a professional boxer that he's so good at using his legs, controlling the ring, controlling range, boxing, jabbing, setting combinations up, throwing a large volume of punches, quick punch, crisp punches. He can counter. He can time you. He, 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 he can go on the mat with you. He can – oh, my God. This guy is the full package. He's the complete package. He is so freaking – he is so loaded – he is, he, I'll say it again, oh my goodness, he is, I mean, he's just, he, he's, he's the full, the full Monty, is that, so I heard that you somewhere, yeah. <laughs> he, he does it all, this, this guy is like, he should get a commercial for those old, remember those old Swiss army knives that did of everything, <laughs> they had everything in it. Everything. That's Holloway. He's he's an old Swiss army knife. He's got everything. <laughs> he's got every freaking thing there is. And, of course, enough heart, uh, you know, to, you know, to light up the sky. Uh, and Rodriguez, he's a kicking maniac. 
his repertoire, his his strength, obviously his forte is kicks. He's the man of kicks. And wow. I mean, and he, the first thing that I noticed if I was calling on fights, if I was sitting in there, watch, first thing I would have said, and of course they got the greatest guys in the world to call them with Rogan and DC and, you know, and his, uh, John, am I pronouncing his name right? John, uh, John Anik, John Anik, 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 and they call it right. And I tell you, if I had been working that one, the way I was the one at MSG, I the only thing I would add it. I mean, they they got it all covered. But the only thing I would add it was immediately the thing that struck me at the beginning, Ken, yeah. was understanding. You got to understand what the other person brings. You know, what's yep. their strengths? What's their deficiency? What's their weakness? The same in boxing. It's no different. It's a fight, and there's strategy involved. And the first thing I would have said was, "Wow, Rodriguez is imploring." the same strategy that our friend Dustin Poirier did in the second fight with McGregor when he took his legs out with leg kicks, with the front leg kick. So he knew that McGregor is a great counter puncher, great striker, great puncher for the southpaw position. So what does he want to do? He wants to take his base out. He wants to take his legs out, Dustin does, so he can't be that great striker as the fight goes on. And, And he did a marvelous job of that. And that's exactly what struck me in this fight. I said, oh, my goodness, Rodriguez, he's taken a a page out of the playbook of Poirier against McGregor in their second fight when McGregor, of course, won. And then, of course, he won the third fight. But where he's, he's looking, he knows he's got a great striker, a great boxer. I think he's like a professional boxer in front of him. I'm going to take his legs out. So maybe later in the fight, he can't be as efficient as striking. And he, and that's what he tried to do. The only thing was that this, uh, this Max is so resilient <laughs> that he, oh my God, that not only did he handle it and absorb it and take, but, Again, to the versatility, to the whole package point that I made earlier, he he didn't have to win only with striking. He could go to the mat and do it too. He could go anywhere, anywhere. He would have climbed up to freaking cage and jumped on him <laughs> if that's what he had to do, you know. And and but at the end of the day, I'm watching that, and and Rodriguez, you know, there's an old saying too. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. I saw a little bit of that, yeah. where he's living by the kick, and then he died by the kick almost because he was wide with one of his kicks and he slipped. Yep. And Max, boom, jumped on him, went to the mat, and you know started really making him pay a heavy price uh, down there uh, for that. And it, it very similar to boxing, my sport, where a guy's throwing all haymakers, Ken, and and the danger to it is you miss one of them and you leave yourself open to a counter. Yep. You, you leave yourself exposed. Same thing in this business. I'm starting to learn that. You know, the here they are, he's throwing, he was throwing haymakers with his feet and he missed one, live by the sword, die by the sword, live by the kick, die by the kick, and and bang. Uh, and that was, the, and he got, you know, he paid a price for that. And then, that was probably Max is so special, but that was his greatest advantage of why, you know, he was able to keep the edge in the fight and win the fight was that he could do so many other things. He's a great, great striker. There's, I don't know if anyone is in the business that's better 
to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he's not as good a puncher maybe as some of the great strikers out there, but as far as overall abilities in, in all the areas, I mean, I don't know if anyone could really match him when it comes to striking. I mean, he was he was doing everything. Uh, but again, uh, that that was that was the thing that carried the day. And then even with that, there were firefights. Yep. <laughs> there were there were spots where you thought Rodriguez, where Rodriguez was getting worn out a little bit. And listen, to the credit of uh, Holloway, he started going to the body and and wearing him out to the body, mm-hmm. and 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 he started to wear him out a little bit. And to his credit, you talk about hard again. I mean, somebody should do an X-ray on these guys and see if they have two hearts instead of one. <laughs> really? No, really. I'd like to check it just to be every sure. week. It's the it, same story. I, 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 it's crazy. <laughs> and and then it looks we have to fight us that could tell you the same thing in boxing. I tell you the same thing when I see it. It's crazy the heart they show. It's crazy the heart that Rosado McGee show. Yep. And that these other guys. It's crazy. All of them. I'm including all of them in, not just. But right now I'm talking about UFC. And to see, to, he started wearing them down. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Rodriguez finds another gas tank. And all of a sudden, he explodes with something, something dangerous. So there was really no time that, even though there were spots where Holloway had control of the fight, obviously, there was no comfort level there was there was no relax level where you can relax because you relax you'd be freaking you might be waking up in a freaking locker room you <laughs> saying, oh, did anyone get the name of that um instead of the name of that bus did anyone get the name of that lake uh, you know <laughs> that that obviously put me here to sleep yeah. so there was no spot to relax or let up none uh because when you thought there was this guy Again, he found another uh, gas station, and and he came back with something. It was ext- it was it was more of the same of what you get to expect, or you start to expect with uh, when you watch UFC. My hats off to both these fighters, and you touched on it at the beginning. I touched on it at the end. At the end, just fitting for these gladiators to show the respect, the mutual respect they showed each other when Max went to the ambulance that, that uh, Rodriguez was sitting in there getting taken to the hospital, obviously, uh, to, you know, to see how he was with his leg and every, you know, everything else. And he gets, he's in there, and it was reminiscent of Mickey Ward and Gaddy That's what I in their first fight. Yep. It really was, Ken. When when they wound up in the hospital next to each other, there was a curtain dividing them, and they were both on stretches in the hospital. And all of a sudden, uh, Mickey or Gladdy, one of them pulled the curtain back and said, "Hey, how you doing? You okay?" Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, I'm all right. You okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. You good, brother? Yeah, I'm good, brother. You good? Bro- that was beautiful. Yep. That's as beautiful as the fight." That's Not surprising from Max, guys like Max, Dustin. I mean, the list goes on, Volkanovski. They're all just like, some of those guys are just like class gentlemen in and out of the ring. They're dependable. And you know what? When I see, you're right, Ken. And when I see that, when I saw it, it was beautiful to see. It, was, it really was beautiful to see. And um, as I said, it, it, it did remind me of, of Ward and Gaddy with how they showed the mutual care for each other after after trying to put each other in the hospital. <laughs> and, and then they, they show that kind of love and that 
kind of respect. And um, but I I even jotted down uh, my thoughts to that, where I was thinking at the end, thanks. I want to thank from all of us, uh, thanks and respect to both of these gladiators for once again teaching us. You know, and of course, the great boxers too. The great boxers too. But we'll talk about right now with the UFC fight. Um, um, just teaching us what is meant by going to another place in search of greatness and in search of what's inside yourself, what you can be, you know, what you truly can be. And I think they do teach us that. You know, not to go in there and be, ever be able to do what they do with their fists, but to persevere, to to go to a difficult place, to a place that you didn't think you could go to, to not have limits, to not have walls, you know, to be like those great explorers back in the day when they found that the earth was not flat, <laughs> to keep going, to keep going. Who says you can't go further? You. But if you don't say it, who's going to stop you from going further? Who knows how far you can go? And, that's part of the greatness, I think, is that um, that they do this for each other, with each other, and for us to see it. You know, I got a kick out of uh, when Holloway went <laughs> and I wrote down, I didn't want to misquote it. He says, hey, you freaking animal. <laughs> I, I love you. And Rodriguez said, I love you too, you know. And, and um, the final thing that I wrote down, and I'll finish my part with this. They made each other climb, claw, and bleed to a place they never would have gotten to without each other. A place of greatness. They made each other go into new rooms of themselves and discover things that otherwise might stay unknown and hidden. Special men, special, special men, and special lessons, I think, I think, for all of us. Well, Teddy, I think that I don't think that we could pick a better place to wrap that one there with the perfect summary of uh, just an incredible, incredible demonstration of toughness. Um, like I said earlier, guys, please stick around for the Porter and uh, Crawford preview. Thursday, we'll be putting up the fight plan. Teddy, thanks for doing this while you're on vacation. Give the best to all the, to your family. I will. I I'm going to have to go move my head because my <laughs> wife and my daughter, they, they weren't quite as excited as the fans are. I hope. I hope that, <laughs> that I was going to do this with you. You know, because they were like, we're on vacation, Dad. Yep. Uh, you know, we're, uh, so, but it's okay. It's, again, it's, uh, it's all love. And it's yep. a pleasure to be able to, uh, to be with you and do what we have to do, what we're committed to doing. That's right. Which is bring it to the fans, what and, needs to be brought to them. And that's the truth is hopefully we can demonstrate to people what it means to be dependable and try to show up. I mean, you've you've done shows with COVID. We've done shows from vacations. We've, we just make it work. And, uh, you know, look, it's not always the easy, but we do it because the fans want it and they expect it. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And even the ones who didn't, Please keep showing up and hating us. We just want you to watch and participate. And, you know, sometimes the criticism might be just and uh, we'll learn from it. So please keep the feedback coming. We appreciate you. We do. We yep. appreciate all of you. 
And with that, guys, have a great week. We'll look forward to talking to you after the uh, big fight this weekend, Crawford Porter. Tune in to see what Teddy thinks on the uh, fight plan, and we'll be with you guys next week. As always, take care. We've got who some may call the gatekeeper, Sean Porter, and who others may call the greatest pound-for-pound fighter of the current day, and that's Terrence Crawford. This is a good fight. I'm looking forward to this. What are you looking for? You started off right. That's exactly what I call Porter is the gatekeeper for the welterweight division. Um, you know, it's good to see when he steps out the outside of the PBC, huh, you know, crowd and and stable, and he fights somebody outside of it, which which is good. But uh, you know, usually they're doing a thing in house internally with Al Heyman's guys, where they they uh, they the most competitive fights they put on, you know, like just like Aram, like the rest of them, they don't want to go across the street and fight somebody because uh, they might lose and then they don't control that guy with the promotional rights and with the, the it doesn't look good for their TV network. So they try to keep it in-house. And, you know, all the, really, all the biggest fights and and obviously most competitive fights uh, for, for Porter, uh, have always been against people for the most part have been you know in in, in his own stable uh, obviously against PPC fighters and now it's you know now he's stepping outside of that realm uh, you know he's he's kept everybody honest in the PPC world now again he's gonna be the guy that's going to uh, help tell us whether or not Crawford is the real deal. So, you know, it's nice to see it's nice to see Porter step outside of the kind of musical chair thing that he do with PPC where they fight each other and, and listen, he obviously tests everybody that he fights. Um you know he's he's only got two losses, uh he being obviously Porter uh, he lost to Thurman and Spence. Thurman was the top fighter undefeated at the time. And Spence, of course, is a pound-for-pound pound guy that's at the top of most people's list, at least in the, probably in the top five. I also thought, you know, as always, full transparency, I thought that he had lost to Danny Garcia and to Ugas. Uh, very close, very close. But I, I thought he had lost. But look, Porter, again, the term gatekeepers is, is is good, or or I'll give him another. I might even give him another, a little bit of a uh, title, where sometimes he's the troll under the bridge, just looking to snatch you, <laughs> like as you try to go over that bridge, that welterweight bridge to the next place. Um, that troll would be Porter that you have to worry about, uh, reaching <laughs> his his heavy hand up. And just yanking you, <laughs> yanking you into the abyss. So he's a, it's not always pretty, but he brings it. He's improved a little bit, Porter, in the last couple of years where he doesn't reach in as much. He doesn't expose himself as much. Uh, he uses his jab more. He uses his legs, believe it or not, for other reasons than just coming forward all the time. 
He'll move laterally on you. I think that helps steal the decision for him against Ugas. So it served them. If they wanted that dimension to serve them, it has served them, I believe. Uh, because he will jab and move off to the side on you. Something he didn't used to do. He would only come forward. So he has improved. But at the end of the day, make no mistake about it. He's not Pennell Whitaker. He's not Mayweather. You know, uh, he, he's he's a guy that, you know, comes forward. And he looks to take your heart away. He looks to take your breath away. He looks to break you down. He looks to outstrength you. He feels that he's the strongest welterweight physically out there. And he, he looks to prove it uh, most of the time when he's in the ring. Uh, the the guy is a horse. Uh, the guy has all the heart in the world, and he just he just keeps coming. He looks to keep coming. You know, he'll start off being again, being a little bit where he'll fence with you. You know, he'll posture with you. He'll spar with you a little bit, jabbing, fainting, all the good things. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's coming and he's trying to get you. And uh, I don't see it any different. In this fight, where he has some advantages, might be physically stronger. Maybe uh, he obviously is a is a big welterweight. Obviously, Crawford is a guy who moved up three weight divisions, so maybe there's a little edge if he can find a way to figure that out and use that that strength and that physicality and that size. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of an edge for him in that area, but where the edge for Crawford is, he's a guy that's multidimensional. He's a guy that if he has to, he can go get you. Uh, he can walk you down if he has to. He has to go in the trenches. He can. But for the most part, he likes to use that length, those long arms, stand on the outside, control range, control distance, and make you pay for every freaking inch of real estate that you're trying to make up. You're trying to come in, you know, four inches he's going to charge you three punches uh to come in those four inches and that's he does that really well that's what i would expect him to do in this fight is control that outside control the parameters of the ring um make porter pay as i just said for every inch of real estate that he tries to gulp up uh he tries to you know tries to close I, I would I would expect him to do that. I at the end of the day I, I said this in one of the other prior podcasts. One of the for me, one of my favorite fighters of all time that I think could fit into any era, even though ever in the thirties and the forties when fighters fought three hundred times. At uh, there'd never be that era again. But a guy that fits into any era that could compete in any era would be a guy like Sugar Ray Robin, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, obviously, Sugar Ray Robinson came from the early eras, and there's a lot of people that think he's the greatest fighter of all time. But Sugar Ray Leonard, with his talent, with his ability, his dimension, his ability to be so versatile in so many so many areas. But one other thing, and that's why, for me, he's a standout great. Not just because of his great speed, his great legs, his great defense, his great offense, but because he would go and snatch your soul. He 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 wasn't satisfied without boxing you only or just doing enough to win. He wanted it all. He wanted you. 
He was taking no hostages. As I've said in the past, he was the Kung Fu guy when you watch those great Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu movies where the guy punches not to the chest but through the chest <laughs> and yanks out the heart. That, that, that was Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, that's, that's what made him so. He, he, as they would say, he, he, was a, he was a junkyard dog mentality uh, at the end of the day. He was a pit bull when he had to be. He's got that mentality, and Crawford has that mentality. People might not always see it because he has all these dimensions I just talked about, Ken, where he can do so many things, and he has that talent, that special talent, but he's also got that bulldog. He's got that too. He's got that too. And I know the other guy's a bulldog. I already said that about Porter, but people would expect that in Porter with his style. They might not expect that with the style, the more finesse, of Crawford, but he has it. They make a big mistake if they didn't realize that. And there's one other thing that separates Crawford for me, his instincts. He's got the greatest instincts of any fighter I, I think I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of great fighters, if not in person, I've and called their fights. I've seen them on tape because I was all those years up at Custom Autos where we had Jim Jacobs and Bill Caton's big fight tapes. We, I could see any fight I wanted, just about. Uh, the great Henry Armstrong, Benny Leonard, whoever they were. And this guy's instincts to just do what Cus, my mentor, used to tell me. The great ones, he used to say, Teddy, they can create it as they're doing it. They can make it up as they do it. Create it right in front of you. Do something that they never did before right in front of you. Something that they're not even aware they're doing. That, that the moment just calls on them to do it and they have a way of creating it right there. Crawford has that ability. He's got that instinct. Uh, it's, it's pretty extraordinary. And there's another thing Crawford has. He's probably the greatest switch hitter I've ever seen. Andre Ward was a good switch hitter too. Um, and there's been a few of them, obviously, in the history of boxing. But I don't see anyone who's better at going lefty or righty, southpaw or orthodox, back and forth seamlessly without losing any edge, any advantage. I've, I've never seen anyone better than Crawford. I mean, he's like Mickey Mantle was in baseball, a uh, great switch hitter. Uh, either side of the plate, he could hit with power and he could hit with average. And the same thing for Mr. Crawford. So... That's the one of the reasons why he's undefeated. One of the reasons he's pound for pound, my number one on my pound for pound list, and obviously uh, would be the favorite going into this fight. Uh, but a fight with Porter again that will test, because a lot of people have said, who's Crawford been in there with? You know, now listen, is Porter... The biggest test out there, if I had to choose somebody, if I had my druthers and I could choose somebody to test Crawford with, no, it would be Spence, like it would be for everybody else. But that fight's not happening uh, right now. So this is pretty damn good. Pretty damn good to get it, to again, to test how good Crawford is. Because a lot of people say, well, who's he fought? Who's he beaten? You know, well, he's beaten everybody in three different divisions that was put in front of him. And uh, But now he's going to get a guy put in front of him that I think will satisfy people going into this fight to 
that haven't really been satisfied with being able to say Crawford is as good as maybe I'm saying, or maybe other people have said that want him that that want that fire test. And this this is a this is one I think this qualifies for that because it will be the will and the physical being and strength and attitude of Porter versus these tremendous skills and ability to adapt of Crawford. And it should be interesting. Um, Again, Crawford will try to control the outsides and Porter will eventually try to get inside. Get to the body. It's a thin body. I remember when when we fought Holyfield, the great Holyfield. I'll say it again, the great Holyfield. And I had Michael Moore fighting him for the for the heavyweight championship. I remember one of the things that besides using the jab, which was I thought very important, was I thought we could maybe he had a great chin, Holyfield. I thought we could maybe hurt him to the body. Because he always had a great body, a great Adonis. A Mr. Olympia type body, and that seems like an advantage to the to the layman out there. First time you hear that, they're being, oh, that's great. But it could be not so great around the body when your body is that trim and that lacking of fat, that fine of of just muscle. It can be vulnerable sometimes to body shots, and so that would be one of the play. He's got that great body. He's got that thin body. That would be one of the things if I was training Porter that I'd be looking to do. Find a way to get in and attack that body. Hit that thin, great-looking body of Crawford. And, um, of course, the trick to it is easier said than done, Ken, because the trick to it is you gotta, you got to get past a bad neighborhood to get there. And you could get mugged in that bad neighborhood trying to get there <laughs> on your way in. So that's the trick. How to get in there. Um, go to the buy. So for me, Porter trying to apply pressure, it's going to come down to have to use his jab to get in, to come in behind the jab, to protect him on the way in, to make his entry a little bit a little bit easier, a little bit safer behind the behind the cover of a jab. You know, if if you're fighting a if you're fighting in a military action, uh in a war and you're going to go and try to go up that hill, you want cover. You want cover. You want your men behind you to be shooting at the enemy so you could get up that hill, distract them long enough to get up that hill. Same thing. Same thing here in boxing. You want to get up that hill. You want to move forward on a guy like Crawford. You need you need cover, and your cover is that jab to get in. Uh, obviously, you need head movement too, but you, you need that jab to get in. And... So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for Porter to at some point get in, try to try to make that old adage come to life and come to truth where you used to always hear me and you hear other people say on on the fights during a broadcast, uh, pressure breaks pipes, pressure breaks people. Obviously, that's what Porter wants to do. He wants to bring pressure. He wants to, in any way he can, to try to break down Crawford physically. Obviously, you want to try to break him down mentally if you can. 
I don't think Crawford's the kind of guy you can break down mentally. I just don't believe it. I believe he's the real deal in that area, uh, as I said earlier. And he's going to have to outwork Crawford. You know, his punch numbers are going to have to be what they always are, high. Uh, outwork him. Uh, Crawford's not the guy that looks to outwork you. He looks to outscore you. He looks to land clean, effective punches that do damage. Um, where he, he throws very educated, precise punches at times. Uh, where the other guy could be outworking him, but at the end of the day, you know, that guy might be winning the battle, but he's going to lose the war because Crawford is looking to land the more damaging, cleaner, efficient, effective punches. So I look for the same thing. I look for Crawford to try to keep him on the outside, catch Porter coming in. Uh, but at the when it's all said and done, if he has to fight with him, he'll fight with him. He'll fight with him in a responsible way with good technique, you know, but he'll fight with him if he has to. Uh, interesting fight. Should be a good fight. And uh, should be, again, should be... Uh, should satisfy the fans out there to a degree that want to be satisfied in wondering whether or not Crawford deserves his lofty position as number one in some people's minds, uh, pound for pound, and, you know, how how good he really is. And to your point, it'll be a good opportunity for Crawford to prove that to a lot of the doubters out there. He hasn't been that active against really, really stiff competition. So this will be a good test. Um, and for people who are listening to this or even watching on YouTube, we have the uh, fight plan where Teddy and I are actually in the ring and Teddy's demonstrating what you should be looking for in the fight. So make sure to check that out. That's as always brought to you by our friends at my bookie check them out at mybookie.ag. make sure you use the promo code atlas a-t-l-a-s on your first deposit to get 50 percent credit up to a thousand dollars and um teddy the line on this one is right now i just checked on my book it's minus 550 on crawford plus 350 on porter do you like crawford enough to lay 550 i might that's a lot there's a lot of wood as they say in that business, um, it's a lot of wood to land, uh, to lay. But I, I believe in Crawford that much. Uh, I might. I mean, I don't like it to lay that much. Uh, I don't usually like to go over three to one. But I, I might lay it. And I, I would also look at the, I would also look at the, what options you get for the under overs that you could tell me. I would, I'd like to see what the. Uh, what that is yeah right now i see the over under at 10 and a half so to go under you're getting plus money plus 190 over minus 240 so if you think it's basically going to go the distance here you got halfway through the 11th round minus 240 to go longer plus two plus 190 to go under 10 and a half rounds i'm going to surprise people here i'm going to give you what i think is a uh, a bet that has value to it I think, potential value to it. It's gambling. So it's always a risk, obviously. We know that. But the way it's set up, as you just said, it's set up to go over. And why wouldn't it be? I mean, Porter doesn't get stopped. You know, he doesn't get stopped. And if he didn't get stopped by a big welterweight like Spence, a lot of people are going to use that as their compass, as their navigator. 
to figuring out under over. And I, I get it. They're gonna, and that's probably what the line is based on too, a little bit. That the bookies that are laying these lines and they're very smart at laying them is saying, well, if you didn't get stopped by a big welterweight, you know, real big strong guy like Spence, he's not gonna get stopped, you know, by a skinny guy like Crawford who's moved up three weight classes, um, and he's never obviously he did get dropped by Spence, but he didn't get stopped, and that's another thing he got dropped late in the fight but he got up and went right back to business so he's got a very dependable chin um and he's shown that throughout a great heart so he's shown that for his whole career it figures to go it figures to go over for all those reasons but i would take a value play again for the under i i would because crawford's different Crawford's a different species, so to speak. He's he, For me, the way I look at my game, my business, my sport, I look at Crawford as one of those guys that has a chance if he can get the competition. I mean, you know, Ali had Frazier, he had Foreman, Leonard had Hearns, he had Hagler. You know, Duran had all of them. <laughs> to beat one of the greats you do have to have the dance partners to dance that great dance that that memorable dance that in some ways historic dance you know like fred astaire and ginger rogers and i just i think even though he hasn't had that dance yet i think that crawford has the capabilities to be one of those guys that you look back afterwards and you say, he was very special. He was very different. He was more than just a guy with talent. He had everything. He had instincts, as I said earlier. He had the bulldog. He had the junkyard mentality uh, inside of him. You know, he had all those things. He had that X factor, that it factor, everything. I just think, that Crawford could be that guy. And based on that, I think it's worth a value play with the line that you're getting to take the under, where, again, most people would expect it to go the distance. I understand. but And I understand he's not as big a welterweight as Spence. You know, he's not in people's minds to... The way you down kind of guy that Spence is, and and banger that Spence might be perceived as, but he can punch and he's carried his power just like Pacquiao. He's carried his power up in divisions, up in weight, and he hits you clean, and he hits you with shots you don't see, and you know he he figures out different ways to do it. I give him a chance to do something that hasn't been done to stop Porter. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying for that, if you're going to go in there, you know, navigating your pick, so to speak, picking your spots and saying, where do I get value? Where can I say, even though I know it's a chance that I'm, if I'm getting value, obviously I'm I'm taking something that most people don't think is going to happen, right? That's how it works. I think this is one of those spots to, to get value yep. and have a reason to, you know, and have a reason to do it. 
Yeah, I like that too. I think Crawford will have something to prove here. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder and wants to show everyone how good he really is. Um, so that would be a good one. Teddy, like I said, for the fans, we have that uh, fight plan with Teddy and I in the ring. You have that to look forward to. Hopefully, this is a nice precursor to get you ready for this fight. We're all very excited for it, and we'll obviously be here after the fight to break it all down. Before we say goodbye, Teddy, you got anything else to add? No, just uh, everybody out there, thank you for always being here with us. We appreciate you. We appreciate the company. Yeah, we even though me and Ken like each other's company, it's it's even better to have your company. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being with us. You know the drill. Subscribe, share the links, do your thing. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you after the fight. Good luck to everyone. <laughs>